eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. To say it's been an interesting week in America would be an understatement. This has been, I think, stressful for all of us. I was talking with a friend of mine from Canada, a sportscaster friend of mine from Canada, and we were having a discussion about how, whether it's the United States or to a lesser extent Canada, how can we move forward? And I got to tell you that I am I'm stuck in figuring that out. And I I mean, I guess there's probably also the element of me of there being some real arrogance in me thinking that I might have the answer to help bridge some of the real divides that 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 there are in our republic for what's been building over the last four years for sure. But. Those seeds apparently have been sown a long time ago. There's part of me that feels that's uncomfortable with my own response to this election cycle because, I mean, I got to tell you, like, I things have been so bad that I'm like, do I really want to live here anymore? And I had this moment, and I, and I mean in the United States, and I would have never thought that that would have been something that would have crossed my mind, but it just feels like the heat and the rhetoric and the danger and the violence that's associated with that rhetoric is omnipresent. I went for a walk Tuesday before the, the polls closed. I voted three weeks ago. Because I didn't want to be in in a line for that long and and not do my civic duty, I wanted to make sure I got it done. And I I give the city of Chicago a lot of credit. The early voting opportunities, and for me on the South Side in the twentieth ward where I vote, I was really impressed with how hard the people there worked. And I guess that we could we could extend that to everyone that's involved in the vote counting and poll watching Republican or Democrat. What they're doing is 
in some like this is how bad things have gotten. Their lives could be endangered by this. The, that's where we're at. People who are trying to make sure that we have an honest election above repute. Both parties watching each other. So that there isn't anything that gets. That, there isn't anything untoward that ends up happening. And, and that's still we still live in a place where you can just now throw out these type of dangerous accusations without any sort of proof. And it's like you throw the you throw the smoke bomb and like, OK, well, then we'll go find all the proof of malfeasance. I teared up after I voted, not because of my vote, but I teared up after I voted because of how kind the people at my polling place were. And I kept thinking about trying to have an election, an in-person election under the circumstances with which we are having one this year. And I got emotional thinking about the people who volunteered. The people who were willing to sit there for six hours, eight hours, 10 hour shifts to make sure that there was some semblance of democracy at work here. And I thank them. You know, I, I was lucky enough that there weren't a lot of voters in the room as I finished my vote. And I, I, you know, raised my voice cause I'm, you know, I'm loud. And I thanked them and I got a little teary eyed because I was so happy that there were people who still believe in that stuff. And maybe we all need to grow up. Maybe we've all been living this kind of Peter Pan fantasy of, of what our republic is. But it was nice. And I think about the people that are in Philadelphia and Detroit, in Phoenix, in Las Vegas that are counting votes as we speak, in Atlanta. And they are really, really brave. That term, the, the concept of courage, us talking about people being brave, it's thrown around way too lightly. In the environment that we're in right now as a republic, I, I find these people, these public officials even, Democrat or Republican, that are putting themselves out here, very brave. So what happens next? I don't know. But I will say that I had a conversation with someone, another citizen of the city of Chicago. And we were talking about how Chicago, it sometimes is like an island unto itself. That there are some protections in place from some of the racism, capital R, that is out there because it's a city that is diverse and one can, one can find their own people in this city very easily. That my life on the south side of Chicago, I can find my peer group. I can find my tribe. I'm using air quotes. If I want. And, and still feel relatively safe. 
I have some means and that offers me another level of protection from some of this stuff. But I'm not sure where we go from here. The descent of our republic, it's been extremely disappointing. And our inability to bridge divides is maddening to me. It feels as if we now live in a space where you have to win at all costs. And on top of winning at all costs, you then have to humiliate your opponent. And I don't mean President Trump and Vice President Biden. I'm talking about all of us. It's not enough to win a political discussion. It's not even a discussion like if you're thinking of it as debate. You have to crush the person and try to humiliate them and try to make them think that, that they that the things that they believe are just fundamentally wrong and there isn't any space for growth. Now, granted, there are some people who don't care. There are some people who don't want to grow, who don't want to see other people's point of view. I live in a space where I'm, I'm big into the concept of, of optimism as a form of rebellion. And I, I want to believe that more people would prefer to reach consensus. Let's figure out a way that both of us can be happy with this instead of let's spend our time trying to destroy the other person and their point of view. And I'm just stuck, man. Like I'm just stuck with a lot of questions on what do we do? Joe Biden talks a lot about turning down the temperature. And I I wonder if, He's uh, he's too naive to think that, that we're in a place where that happens. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not. I'm really just working some of this stuff out through the podcast. Like I have the vehicle, so I talk a lot of things through. Instead of just sitting here and thinking them, I try to talk them through. And I keep coming up with nothing. And it, it's just, it's hard to believe that all of us have neighbors or, or friends, and put that in air quotes, or acquaintances or colleagues that we now on face probably distrust because we had no idea that they felt that way about whatever your particular group of people is. How do we reconcile that? When I was talking to my friend from Canada, I was saying that I feel like political discourse right now in the United States is is destructive. And no one seems to have an answer on how do we move through it? How do we grow from it? 
And I don't know if whomever wins this election, because as it stands right now, is still outstanding as I record this, is going to be able to fix it. It might dig everyone in deeper into the space that they were already in. And that, to me, it, it strikes me as dangerous. I've never been as nervous for an election as I've been for this one. Even President Obama's first election, like, I wasn't nervous like this. And that, it scares me. Here's the one thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll leave you in peace. I did think that I am glad that there that the result is taking as long as it is. And let me tell you why. I think no matter who wins, let's say that there's a, a clear winner on Tuesday night. I think that everyone's dander was up on Tuesday. I know mine was. Like I went for a walk, like I was saying, I went for a walk. I don't live far now. I just moved and I don't live far now from Soldier Field, which is not too far from Adler Planetarium, which is my favorite place to just sit and look at the city. So I walked over there. It was perfect outside on Tuesday. And I just sat in the grass and I just thought and thought and thought. And I was like, God, I love Chicago. Like, I really like I love this city. You probably love it, too. And I was like, God, I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave Chicago. I don't want to leave the United States. I don't want to be put in a position where that might be the best thing for my family. It's to start over in a place that doesn't feel as hostile as the United States does. So I think that the delay, even though it's incredibly frustrating, did a service to the Republic to give us all a little bit of time to go, okay, let's say your guy doesn't win. How are you going to react to this? The good that comes out of it is righteous activism. Show it, this election shows that Righteous activism can get people involved in the political process. We're going to have 150 million people vote. People got involved. If you're looking at it from the, the Trump campaign, those people went out and voted like on election day. In incredible numbers. If it wasn't for what we're seeing from from Joe Biden's vote total, we'd be talking about Donald Trump being what the most voted for candidate ever. And we see on the flip side of it, if you look at a state like Georgia, where the activism of people like Stacey Abrams was able to probably flip a, a longtime red state. Like I said at the beginning of this, I don't know where we go from here. I, I honestly just wanted to talk through some of this stuff. 
I'm not here to tell you even what to feel. I just want you to take into account the possibility that you might be wrong. If you open yourself up to, I might be, um, or maybe I could use some perspective. I think it would make all of us better. And I hope we get better over the next four years. I hope we figure it out. I don't have a lot of confidence in that, but I have some optimism. Like I'm, I'm born of that. Optimism is a form of rebellion. So I'm going to try and stay optimistic and stay a rebel. Thanks for listening.